Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 804, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off the first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy, enter promo code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, they're wearing the mask, they're getting vaccinated, they're drinking water, you're getting exercise, maybe you're getting a booster shot, doing stretches. Just keep it, keep it, keep it tight. Come a man from the start, we don't know why, he goes so far, and keep on marching along. Clubs and sticks and bats and balls for nuclear dicks with the dialect draws that come from a park in La Town where nothing lives in the sun. Don't make me a target. Don't make me a target. Hello, welcome back, fanboy. Pick a week, episode 104. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Ryan Haupt. Hello, everybody. And Josh Flanagan is on assignment. And we don't know he where. will not rest. No, I, I don't I even know, know what that I, means. Well, he just said, I, I'm on assignment, and he left. He told me that I was his handler, and that uh, <laughs> only I could bring him in from the cold. I'm, uh, so <laughs> we'll see. He's, Josh is never getting over the Berlin Wall, by the way. We are a fanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks the one they like the best. We'll call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, along with other books from the week, to the patron pick, and hopefully a listener mail if we have time. But mostly, we try to have fun, so you can have fun. It's all fun on this limited amount of time we have on the spinning globe in this space. pale blue dot. Here's your spoiler warning. There'll be some of those. Exercise some caution. This week, Ryan, you had to pick. There's the error in the script. Uh, the pick of the week this week was Aquaman Green Arrow Deep Target number one. Story by Brandon Thomas, art and inks by Ronan. How do you, how do you think we say this last name? Cliquette? Cliquet? I don't know. It depends on what part of the world it's from. We need, we need the, the Francophile, Francophone Josh here Cliquet. for help Cliquet. with that one. I mean, if it was French, that would be it. But. Uh, colors by, I think this name would be pronounced Ulysses, which is awesome. Ulysses Ariola yeah. Palomera and lettered by Josh Reed. Did you read this book, Connor? I did. I did, yeah. Um, yeah, so this this book, I, for, I'd seen it advertised in some other DC books. And I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of a fun matchup of Aquaman and Green Arrow. And like the way the cover is drawn um it kind of highlights some of the similarities in their costume design which is something i never picked up on before and obviously they're both like blonde dudes with facial hair and Mm -hmm. it turns out that all of those sort of similarities that i hadn't really noticed before were integral to the story because this is a someone has messed up the timeline and somehow um somehow green arrow is living aquaman's life and aquaman is living green arrow's life and (laughs) yeah yeah so so 
I had the same reaction you did. I saw the saw this on the list. I thought, well, that's a weird team up. And I don't know in my decades of reading comics and in the decades more of their existence, I don't know that we've ever had a solo Aquaman Green Arrow team up story. Yeah, it would surprise I mean, me if we had. These guys are, you know, foundational Justice League members. And right. I don't know that these guys have ever had like a, so, a solo adventure, but just the two of them. Look, maybe there was like a 1970s Brave and the Bold comic I missed, but I, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a story where Aquaman and Green Arrow have. That's interesting. You know, yeah, after that, all these years, we found a, a new pairing. And so that was my first foray, foray into reading this. And then Brandon Thomas is someone who's exciting, I think. He, he wrote um, Excellence, that image. He says, so this is his second pick of the week. And he's, he wrote a bunch of stories in the Batman or Gotham, Urban Gotham Knights, whatever that anthology book is. And, and I just, awesome. I thought the, um, I thought the opening sequence in this really kind of hooked me because mm-hmm. it's, it's this group of villainous looking people waiting for what I presume is, you know, the watchtower or a justice league satellite to, uh, be out of, you know, out of sync, sync with where they are on the world. So they, they can very quickly assemble a cosmic treadmill or, a, and, and pull some stuff in from the past and then disassemble mm-hmm. it before the satellite comes back around. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought as like a, as a premise of, you know, how villains have to operate in a world where something as omnipresent and powerful as the justice league exists, um, the sort of hoops they have to jump through was neat. And then the fact that it has this um, weird effect on the timeline uh, where Aquaman and Green Arrow are, are switched places. They got mixed up just like um, land shark and sea bear. Right. So that's the big twist here is that, you know, it opens with a uh, green arrow putting on a suit, an underwater suit, like a jetpack, And he jumps into the water. One of his helpers says like, good luck, Mr. Queen. And he's like, don't call me that. And you're like, Oh, that's interesting. And I guess he doesn't care about his arrows being wet. Well, he's got two sets of arrows. He's got like regular yeah. arrows, but then he's got arrows with little propellers on the end. Well, that, that was cool. I thought that was cool. So stupid. Uh, yeah, because at some point an arrow's flying through the, through the ocean. I was like, well, that's the water. Happen. And then, it's I, got a little... then I noticed there was propellers in the back of them, which I think. Oh, yeah, I'm glad they thought about it. Hey, look, in a world where he has he has boxing glove arrows, I feel like propeller arrows is logical progression. And what is your, um, so this is not meant to be an aside, but, uh, what is your experience with archery and swimming? I guess the two, the two Olympic sports, uh, represented Uh, by these characters. Well, I've done a lot of swimming and I've only done archery at summer camp at junior high school. Okay. So I, I, I consider myself something of an an archer. I have a bow. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a, a, uh, 55 pound takedown recurve bows. And do you uh, have like any to... propeller arrows? I don't have any propeller. I don't have any trick arrows to speak of. Can you really call all? yourself an archer if you don't have propeller arrows? That's a good question. Well, I've never needed, I've never brought my bow underwater. I think that would be very bad for the bowstring, but, <laughs> and, uh, and also green arrow here is using a compound bow, which is not typically green arrow is usually a longbow guy. So this is a different style bow than he typically yeah, well, uses. So he goes to Atlantis and, you know, confronts Aquaman on the throne. And that's when we find out that, uh, they, they have somehow switched. Is it, I can't, is it bodies or places or well, it's so, not, Bo- the, it's not places, just not it's, just places. And it's not bodies either because like, uh, so, uh, okay, so it's, they switched, <laughs> they switched last names. So he's Oliver Curry, yeah. the Aquaman King of Atlantis, but he still has Oliver Queen's hair and facial hair. Right. And it's His goatee and short hair. And, and it's Arthur Queen, who is now Green Arrow, 
who has he, has he still beard has the beard and long, and hair. long hair, presumably the tat the, the Jason Momoa tattoos underneath because that's important right. now. Of course, um, branding synergy and and yeah, Green Arrow or Oliver. <laughs> this is very confusing. It's, I think we should refer to them as the costumes they're wearing for right now. Okay, so mixed up Aquaman has he has all of Aquaman's powers, but it's clear from the text of the story that he hasn't had those powers for as long as Arthur Curry did. Yeah. So he's still getting used to having these powers, which suggests that whatever situation they're in is new, which is makes it unclear. Like, how did the timeline getting mixed up cause this to happen in such a way where, you know, Green Arrow having Aquaman's powers is a new situation for him to be in. But the reveal at the end, which was kind of a it was a weird note to end on but basically the villain right. we've been watching this entire time having like weird time travel adventures somehow got his dna merged with the dinosaur um, right because in the beginning he they were they were they were bringing little dinosaurs in from the past and then he was shooting them which was mean and then you know do, doing tests on their dna or whatever so something right. happened and now he's part dinosaur which, and aquaman's part green lantern a green arrow and green arrow's part aquaman I mean, it was a big old silly mess I, I, I enjoyed it i thought this was this was fun and, you know, DC right now is all about, I'm, I'm not saying this is out of continuity, but, you know, it basically is. DC is all about, you know, the multiverse. That's, the, that's right. DC. That's their corporate mantra right now. So there's a lot more stories at DC taking place outside of the normal continuity. And I think we might as well use it as a place to experiment and have a good time and say, what happens if you team up Aquaman and Green Arrow? What happens if they are... They're body swapped, sort of, and what happens if they both think the other one did it? And what happens if you've got two guys who are basically the hotheads of the Justice League who are at each other's throats? You know, in the absence it, it, of yeah. Hawkman, which was a traditional foil for Green Arrow, you've got Aquaman, and it works. It tapped into the uh, good old superhero comics trope of the two heroes meet to team up, but they have to fight first. Yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah it was good. It was fun and it was unexpected and I I liked reading it. And I had a huge stack of books this week, so you know it was sort of I was <laughs> I was fishing around to to figure out what the pick might be, and um, I had a few. So I you know I know I know it's talked about often on the show like what order we read the books in. I'm chaotic yeah. when it comes to the order I read my books in. It's sure. literally just like oh what did I haven't did I have an errant thought about Daredevil? I guess I'll go read Daredevil. Um, it's I don't have any of this like this is what I'm looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. And a, a series I've been figuring out how much I enjoy is M.O.M., Mom, Mother of Madness, number three, story by Amelia Clark. Yes, that Amelia Clark, Daenerys, Mother of Dragons, uh, Stormborn, Breaker of Chains. Yeah. And Marguerite Bennett, art by Layla Lays and Layla DeLuca, colors by Trona Farrell and letters by Haley Rose Lyon. Have you been reading this series, Connor? No. Mm-mm. It's okay. So it's an. I, I remember seeing. Um, I follow Amelia Clark on Instagram because she's actually quite funny and charming and delightful. Sure. I don't follow sure. a ton of celebrities on Instagram, but she's one of the, the ones that I actually think is a good follow. And she announced that she was doing this book a while back. And the level of passion she exhibited when talking about this comic book that she'd been working really hard on um, struck me as interesting because, like, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not new for a celebrity to want to do a comic book, but sure. I felt that like the investment that she had demonstrated in this character, in this idea, warranted some attention. And I would say this is um this is similar to like a Man Eaters, in that it's um a book that's commenting a lot on society and in particular how our society treats women. 
And the main character of this uh, series is a woman who uh, ex- has superpowers that are um, activated by her hormones. So when okay. she... When she feels like scared, she turns invisible. When she feels angry, she gets super strong. So she's sort of like what you know. Um, she has like a, a a physical manifestation of the sort of thing that's that's driving that right. emotional state that she's sure. in. Um, and it's basically her going up against a pharmaceutical company that that wants to sort of weaponize that um, ability in her for money. So it has a lot to say about late stage capitalism and the way we treat women and the way we expect women to like regulate their emotions to serve society rather than take care of themselves and their families. And it just, um, yeah, I won't say too much more. Go ahead. Are you enjoying it? This was the, so I didn't, I didn't, uh, these are all longer issues and, um, issue number three was the final issue. And I would say at the end of it, yes, I did enjoy it. The first issue it suffers from some of the same issues we see with a lot of first time comic writers where it's, yeah. it's, I, I texted you yesterday that there was, you know, I was having a bit of a slog and it's because it's just, it's too heavy. They, they, they put too much text on the page. It yeah. takes too long to get to the point. Um, but the second and third issue, I think it found its stride in a way that I found quite enjoyable. And I think, um, yeah, it was a nice little, uh, it'll be an interesting little three issue volume to, um, return to and, and reconsider. And I'll be curious to see if, Amelia Clark continues to do comics because it seems like she really did care about this character and care about this idea. And I thought she did a good job in actually uh, pursuing it and putting out a, a worthwhile product. So this is the final issue. Yes. And who published it? Image. Image published it. Right. Okay. Uh, DC versus vampires. Number one, first issue of a 12 issue miniseries. And now DC is chasing the deceased dragon. So which we knew they would. Oh, absolutely. Cause DC was a huge hit out of nowhere. And so, and and I'm not against this at all. Just this is just set up for what this book is. I mean, yeah, and, you know, why not? Let's see, let's try. Right. And you know, we we got another book coming out next next week from Tom Taylor, where we got DC Fantasy. Now we have DC, this book is DC versus Vampires, and it's uh, at first I was like, well, I'm not so into that like as a concept. I'm not against it, but I'm also not doesn't excite me. And yeah. and then I saw the creative team. This is written by. James Tinian the Fourth and Matthew Rosenberg. I suspect it's plotted by Tinian and Rosenberg, and Rosenberg scripting it, but I don't have that proof of that. And Otto Schmidt's on the art team, and I was like, "Well, fuck," because I like Rosenberg a lot. I love Otto Schmidt; he's one of my favorite new artists. They yeah. together did that Hawkeye Freefall book. That was one of my favorite Marvel books the year that was coming out. That was a good book. So I said, "Okay, I got to try this," and I really liked it. It's it's not super compelling out the door. Agreed. Did you read this? I did. Okay, you did read this. Okay. But I just I like I like looking at it, and I think what's fun about these stories, the same way that with deceased, is that anything can happen. So um, I'm not I'm not fully on board the way I was after the first issue of deceased, but I did really enjoy it. Um, the main the main thrust here is the I vampire character shows up at the Hall of Justice looking for help. He's been attacked, and he's trying to warn them that there's going to be a war. The vampires are going to come for humanity, and he gets. Uh, you know, he gets, he's being talked to by Hal Jordan and and Zan of the Wonder Twins, and well, he he reveals that he went to the Legion of Doom and they're all they're all dead or turned into vampires, and then with the big reveal is that Hal's already turned into vampire, so he kills he kills the <laughs> he, vampire. He, he creates a giant green energy blender and kills yeah. Zan. That, <laughs> that was that pretty rough. Him, that drinks him from a Green Lantern mug, which I'm just like, okay, wait, hang on, is there nothing like? A, I thought I, I know it was canon for a while that you couldn't use a Green, green Lantern ring to kill anybody. I think that's since changed. Um, yeah. 
with the, you know, so you know hashtag defund the Green Lanterns, but right. uh, <laughs> so like, can the Green Lantern ring not? change its mind of like, oh, turns out you're now a vampire and a bad person. I'm going to abandon you and find a new, you know, no, host. I, it's, a, it's a fine line to walk with the Green Lantern ring. I don't like it to be too sentient. Okay. You know, there's a whole thing now where it, like, it's like a character. It talks to I don't, yeah. I don't like that at all. It's a t- for me, it's a tool. Right. And it can sense if you're dead, and then it leaves you to find a new host or a new, you know, But whatever. he is dead. But, He's a vampire. I mean, what is uh, dead? I, I gotcha. He's I got gotcha. consciousness. He's, I, he's, gotcha, he's walking and talking. Ad, admit it. <laughs> but you're right. Putting putting the reveal when he, he reveals he's a vampire and he puts Zan into a giant blender and then blends him and says, usually I prefer fresh blood, but on special occasions I don't mind a smoothie. I was like, well, that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the big, you know, the, the cliffhanger is that Batman gets the, the letter from the I vampire character with along with Lex Luthor's blood who was turned into, who was... Uh, like, he wasn't a vampire, was he? He was just dying. I don't remember. Yeah, I I, I lost the thread a little I, bit. I didn't well. I didn't love this, but I did no. really like looking at it. And I'm willing yes. to keep going with it. And I I trust Rosenberg and to a certain extent Tinian and Schmidt is terrific. And you know, I'll see. I'm just not you know, I'm not in love with the idea conceptually of vampires. I'm more excited about next week's book. Uh, the the Tom Taylor fantasy series. So I just what are, like, you st- are you sticking with this? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to stick with it for at least a little while. I just like that DC's taking these kind of swings with their characters. Like, okay, we're just going to do these big out of continuity stories, and hopefully they they work. Uh, and this is they're not like they're putting you know this is pretty this is good talent on here. So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that the first issue was just kind of like a setup, and it gets sort of moving in the second and third issue. You know, issues beyond mm-hmm. that. But uh, it was fun. It just wasn't great. Yeah, I'll keep I'll keep reading it too. Now, um, I know you have a fraught relationship with the next book here, Robin Number Seven, <laughs> story by Josh Williamson, art by Gleb Men- Melnikov and Max Dunbar, colors by Luis Guerrero. And it's not fraught. I just by, don't read it. Letters by A. L. W.'s Troy Peter uh, Pateri. Pateri? Pateri. Peteri. 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 <laughs> it's got a Peteri flavor. Okay, so. Um, you're not reading this. Uh, Robin is still involved in this tournament of fighters. Yeah, fight club. Which, you know, it's interesting that, like, we're on issue seven and this first mm-hmm. arc is still going. So that's kind of actually kind of cool because I am enjoying the way Snyder-esque. they're exploring this concept. And um, it turns out the island they're on has basically been, like, deeply saturated with Lazarus pit juice. I think that's the mm-hmm. only way I can ex- explain it succinctly. Um, sure. So it, it functions a little bit like the island on Lost, where the, the island itself has needs and wants and desires, but mostly what it desires is death, because a Lazarus pit is something you put dead people in to bring them back. And so um, this tournament, you know, the fighting tournament, everyone is fighting to the death, including, you know, Robin, Damien, and uh, he has to kill people in the course of this tournament, and the, the island is supposed to bring them back to life. But it turns out the reveal in this issue is that this tournament is being run by Raz al Ghul. All right, so hang on. Do are we saying Raz al Ghul now? Or are we say are we still saying Raz al Ghul? Raz. That's what almost okay. every 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 media portrayal of him, but one so uses. Raz, but that's the so. one that I got to know first <laughs> is the Bruce Tim cartoon. <laughs> so, okay. So it's, uh, the tournament is being run by Raz al Ghul's mother, Rule al Ghul, who would make th- that person Damien's, uh, great grandmother. Grandmother. 
Um, so that was kind of a cool reveal. Like it, it you know was a little unexpected. Um, she's got this this book that's like the book of Lazarus, which is not a real book from the Bible and is in this weird language. And um, the issue uh, ends with uh, Robin, unsurprisingly, being the final one of the final two combatants in this tournament. And next issue, he's going to have to fight Connor Hawk, Green, uh, Green mm-hmm. Arrow's son, mm-hmm. which they keep saying is like one of the best fighters in the DC universe. I never. I've never really bought into that, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, maybe it's just never been justified to to my satisfaction. But I'll be. I've been enjoying this series. It it kind of moves at a very uh, rollicking clip, and it's it's fun to put Robin in a situation that he is both seemingly purpose made for, but has to be resistant to um, at the same time. So it's like obviously he's been trained his entire life by a league of assassins and then Batman. So he Mm. is perfectly capable of winning a fighting tournament to the death. But at the same time, his code is, you know, he's supposed to not kill people and and be involved in that kind of stuff. Um, I think the only thing that doesn't quite work for me about this series at the moment is, you know, how old is Damien supposed to be? He's supposed to be like 10. Yeah. Who knows around there. And I just, I I think at some point it was called out, but I I forgotten already what it was. I just don't know, like, I don't want to fight a child, but I feel like if you put me in the ring with a 10-year-old, I'm not, like, could they really beat me up? Like, maybe they could, I don't know, but it just, that strains credulity a little bit, I think. One train since birth to to Yeah, uh, but he's kill. like 90 pounds soaking wet, like, <laughs> you know, fighting like giant bruisers. I just, to me, that, that part strains credulity a I little think, bit. But. I, I think... If I recall, and I could be wrong, and people can correct me, I think they aged him up a little bit, where he's a teenager, like a young teenager now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's it's. Uh, I'm actually enjoying this series quite a bit. I'm I'm having fun with it. Um, you know, like Damien has to to put himself in situations where like somebody, a, a person he's fighting, throws him strategically so that he can like steal a book from the mm-hmm. woman running the tournament and learn some more info. So like he has to like fake not being as good at the fights and then finish the fight. And I don't know. I've, I, I love a Kung Fu movie. This is kind of scratching that itch. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. Do you enjoy hurting me? Um, no, but if it's going to entertain the viewers, I think that's what we have to do. And I know they're so not viewers, Moon Knight, but Moon Knight number four. Are you reading Moon Knight? I'm try. I was, this is one of the books I wanted to get caught up on this week and I didn't. I failed. I really enjoy this book. This is Jed McKay and Alessandro Capuccio. And uh, I am also enjoying know, it. I just have not read this issue. Sure. Um, I, I, I caught up on the last two this week because I, I missed when I was at that wedding last two, a month ago. I really like this. I mean, I know Moon Knight is a strange character and I don't necessarily entirely love suited Moon Knight. Mr. But, Knight. But, you know, he gets to play with all of his identities here. He's partially suited when he's doing with the public, but then he's at, when he's out in Adventures, he's in the classic Moon Knight outfit, which I love so much. But what I really liked about this issue in particular was that uh, Tigra shows up at his office and Tigra and Moon Knight were both West Coast Avengers together. So they have a history of being friends and she treats him in the way that old, like an old college buddy would if they showed up at your place. It'd be like, doesn't take your shit, makes fun of you, knew you way back when. And so they have a, it's a really fun sort of, she's not undermining him, but she, he, she keeps trying to be all broody and Moon Knighty and she's like, come on. And I just love Tiger as a character. She's hardly ever used. She was. I was gonna say she hasn't been around for a while. Much more popular when I was a kid in the eighties. But I you know I loved her. I loved her on the Avengers. I loved the West Coast Avengers. We talked about them a lot on the show. And it was just a fun little team up issue where it still continues the story that's been going on. But she shows up and helps. And 
And it allows them to have a really heart-to-heart, heartfelt heart-to-heart conversation at the end. And he, he lets his guard down with her. And it was really, really nice. I thought this was a really terrific issue. I don't know what my pick would have been this week, but this would have definitely been in the conversation. And again, Jen cool. McKay right now is he's living in that Gashi area that we talk about a lot with with his books. You know, he really he really gets that Marvel, that classic Marvel vibe, and apparently also the classic Marvel characters. Yeah, he's he's, he's quickly become someone. If I see his name on a book, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, and I you know I always read try to read Moon Knight books, and they they succeed to various degrees or they fail to various degrees, and they never last too long. But you know, now that Oscar Isaac's playing him on a TV show, maybe it'll it'll last longer this time. He's very good looking. I don't need to hear any more about how good looking he is in this house. Uh, <laughs> I think there are many households having the same conversation right now, Connor. <laughs> and he can sing and dance. I get it. So let's take a quick break and talk about Mac Weldon. Ryan, you're a busy guy. I mean, that's pretty well established. Even people who don't know you personally might, will probably understand that from listening to you describe your life. You're a busy guy. So maybe it's time to stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mac Weldon daily wear system. The daily wear system is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design, made with performance fabrics and built to work together. From breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear and beyond, Mac Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure and play or whatever, or wherever your day takes you. So I've been talking about this before the show. It's cooling down now in Los Angeles finally, although we had a couple of spurts of heat as, as summer tries to hold on. But I've been able to finally break up my Mac Weldon Ace sweatpants which at first I couldn't find and I was starting to panic, but I found them the other day and I, and I, I had my very first official Mac Weldon Ace sweatpant day and it was terrific. They're really great functional stylish sweatpants and I love them. And I have all kinds of other great products. I like the Radius pan as well. The Radius is sort of like an all-weather pant. It's, it's, you know, you can, and you can wear it to the store and not feel like you're, you're slumming it. And it's, you can wear it hiking, which Josh does. They're really, you know, functional and, and versatile pants. And that's the great thing about Mac Weldon products is they last forever. I've had them, I had these pants for years and they, they show no sign of slowing down and they look great too. So you can focus on things that matter when you're not worrying about what you're trying to wear, which is, you know, great for all of us. And the great, well, also great is the clothes are designed to work together. So for the ultimate lazy Sunday, you know, wear some Ace sweat shorts with modern tailoring and pair, they pair perfectly with the ultra soft, ultra upgraded Pima tees. And for weekend travel, both far and near, the silver knit polo and radius shorts are the perfect high tech highly packable combo so there's all kinds of great products at macworld.com we've been talking about it for years you know it we know it go check them out if you haven't had your first order yet if you haven't taken the plunge for 20 percent off your first order visit macworld.com slash ifanboy and use promo code ifanboy that's macworld.com slash ifanboy promo code ifanboy for 20 percent off your first order macworldin radically efficient wardrobing who doesn't like that it's radical mm-hmm. jupiter's legacy I'm very curious to talk to you about this book. Yeah, Jupiter's Legacy, Requiem, number five. Story by Mark Miller, art by Matthew Dow Smith, color by Giovanna Nero, Nero, Nero. letters by John Workman. So you, are you reading this, Connor? Yes. Do you know what's happening? No. I don't know what's happening either. I mean, I actually, I actually liked this issue. This has been my favorite one of the five so far. And I'm reading this, and I ask myself why, and I think it's because a I've I'm subscribed to it on Comicsology, so it just keeps showing up. <laughs> but <laughs> but B, um, you know, I loved I loved the first two Jupiter's yeah, Legacy exactly. series. I loved them, and so I was so excited to get the final chapter. And I don't know 
what is going on. And I talked about this when the first issue came out, but there was such a long break between miniseries and Miller here doesn't do any, didn't do anything to help us out with that. You know, we, we did it. It's a time jump, mm-hmm. which makes it even worse. So I'm like, wait, do I know these characters? Are these different characters? Because a lot of the characters are in different places in their lives. They're older. They're doing different things. I'm like, I don't know what is happening. So I've been holding on as best I could. Uh, the story, I think, has involved, you know, one of the characters finding this alien race who called for help. She's brought them to Earth to do a little, you know, meet and greet. And she's gathering all of the heroes of Earth to go back to this planet to help save this this race of people. Right. And... And here it turns out it was all a ruse and they are intent on invading Earth. And so they've, they've got, they've managed to trick all the heroes to come to their planet so they can kill them there and then have a full, have clear path to, to Earth. So I get I mean, that. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll finish this out just because it feels silly not to, but I, this, this, this series, the Requiem part of this saga is not working for me on nearly any level other than Mark Miller's writing is brisk enough that I know it's not going to take me too long to get through an issue. <laughs> and I like Matthew Dow Smith's art. I just don't think it's working in this book. Um, it's got like know, John Paul Leone vibes. Which, it definitely has John Paul Leone vibes, which is great. But like, you know, the first series was Frank Quietly. The second right, series was, and was Alfredo Torres. And it's just, yep. it does it's too big a departure from the style yeah. of the universe that I got used to, which, yeah. It's a bummer. It's a real bummer because when those books came out before, they were almost always in the discussion for pick of the week. And yeah, and it's a bummer. The Walking Dead Deluxe number 25. I assume you're not reading this because you don't read indie books unless you know they're going to finish, right? <laughs> so what is this? this is the recolored one, right? This is the recolored one. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't have much to say about this because obviously I've read it before. <laughs> I almost, I, I, if this for I, re- I reread issue 25. I couldn't tell you, you know, I couldn't remember exactly what had happened in issue 25 from the last time I read this book. Part of me was hoping that this was going to be one of the, the major bombshell issues of The Walking Dead so I could make this pick of the week and really, um, really upset some folks. But uh, that wasn't the case. This issue was, was perfectly fine. The reason I'm enjoying this series is that um, I actually don't think the colors serve the story particularly well. I, I, I think as an experiment... Obviously, I think you and I both understand why this book is coming out, but um, <laughs> and that yeah, that but has like to do with you read this before, registers. right? Yeah, multiple times. This is not not even my first reread of the entire series, so, so I'm just confused. Um, I still enjoy it, so I'm you know it's it's October, it's the spookiest of months, so you know. Was this better? a random pickup, or have you been reading this the whole time? I've started rereading this when they started putting out the deluxe issues. I've been rereading it the entire time. It's fun to, ha- I mean, you know, it's fun to have a, a a book that you know you enjoy come out again in a different, slightly different tweaked format. And the thing that I think keeps me invested is at the back of the issues, uh, Kirkman has been doing some reflections. So he has, um, he posts, he includes a, a scan of the handwritten plan that he had for each issue so he always has like Mm -hmm. a single page of blank white paper and he just numbers it 1 to 22 for each page and then just kind of jotted down his ideas for what the beat by beat for each page was supposed to be originally when he thought of it right and so that's usually interesting to think about in the context of how the issue actually ends up coming out and then the the following page of, of that he like writes some 
reflection on like what was what he was thinking about when he did this issue or things that he now realizes he could have done differently. A lot of that discussion is like how his treatment of the female characters uh, works in a more modern context. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's just kind of cool to, it's cool to see a creator reflect back on their own seminal work in real time and see what lessons they've learned along the way in doing so. And I've just, I've been enjoying that. Well, that's certainly interesting. Yeah. I wanted to mention Spine Tingling Spider-Man, number one, written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Juan Ferreira. And this is a book on Marvel Universe's Infinity line. So Marvel Universe is Marvel's app that, uh, you know, you can you can subscribe to and read, read comics on with a six-month delay. And they have their original line of Infinity Comics. And uh, the Infinity Comics are produced as the kids like to read comics these days is what I'm told is in an infinite scroll, much like Webtoons books are. And I've only read a couple of those Batman, Batman Webtoons books. Wasn't that a Scott McCloud thing back in the day, too? Oh, I don't I feel remember. Like he had, yeah, I feel like Scott McCloud had some some notion of the infinite scrolling comic in the early days of comics on the internet. So why not just be the kids? Well, now that we have iPads and phones, you know, we can scroll. And, you know... It's we can have the debate about what's a comic and what's not a comic and what makes a comic what makes what's what doesn't make a comic and that's that's a debate for another time but uh, I always just say this this book was flipping beautiful Juan Ferrera is quickly becoming someone who I'm really excited to see uh, you know he he really really came to our attention with that Thunderbolts miniseries and I've seen him pop up since then and he, he just and I didn't know he was drawing this and I was I'm, I'm scrolling through this issue going who is this artist this is incredible and then I get to the end and I was like of course. It's Juan Ferreira. And it's just, it's a simple story. Peter's having a nightmare. And so they get to play with this form. It, it doesn't, it works less well when it's just a bunch of scrolling panels going by, but when they really play with the idea of movement or characters moving within a single environment. So like, you know, at one point Spider-Man's swinging through the city and the background is continuous, but Spider-Man moves through it in, in separate pieces. Or at one point, Spider-Man's crawling down a wall towards us, and that works really well when you're scrolling. So when they're, when they're able to play with that that stuff, it's really cool. Um, again, when it's just panels going by, I find it less interesting. But, you know, it's Peter Parker's having a nightmare. It's fucking up his day. It's fucking up his life. He's trying to figure out why and what's going on. And um, it was a fun little Spider-Man story, and it was just really, really gorgeous if you're at all a fan of Juan Ferreira and if you're on Marvel and Universe. And I know a lot of our listeners are. Yeah. We have a really good, really big portion of our listenership is on Marvel Unlimited and DC and uh, DC Universe. Yeah, Mar- I, I did not. I did not. Yeah, I did not see this one, so I'm gonna have to check this out. I'm excited to. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. I, if you haven't taken the plunge yet and checked out any of these Infinity books, which I hadn't until this point, um, this is a great one to start with. Spine tingling Spider Man number one, and it's you know it's not a one shot. It continues going, so I'll probably I'll be keep my eye out for the next issue. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun to read, and again. We'll have to debate another time about what this means and what it what it actually you know what it is, but I cool. enjoyed it. Uh, Once in Future number twenty one, story by Kieran Gillen, art by Dan Mora, color by Tamra Bonvillain, and letters by Ed Dukeshire, who definitely sounds like the name of a person who should be lettering this book, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, are you? I think you. I you and I have talked about this book. Okay. Yeah, I dropped this book. I think after the first arc, like I enjoyed the first arc. I enjoyed especially the beginning of this book a lot, and then I just. As often happens with Kieran Gillen books, is I eventually I was like, I don't think I know what has happening anymore, and 
I can report in that I also do not know what is happening, but I have decided uh, that I am a big enough fan of Dan Mora's art that I'm going to stick with it for as long as I possibly can. Dan Mora is great. He's been also drawing detective comics while also doing this book somehow. Yeah. So in this issue, the the team of and like Duncan Rose and Duncan's grandma, whose name I can't remember, uh, they have to go to Bath, which is where Rose's parents are. And the whole of the UK has been transported to this other world. So they now live in like this place with very dangerous and chaotic magic. Um, where the stories of old are coming to life and wreaking havoc. And so Bath is being terrorized by a male Gorgon who's turning people into stone, much like a Medusa. Mm -hmm. But there's also this knight running around. And so like the team is trying to rescue Rose's parents, uh, not get looked at by this Gorgon and also avoid getting killed by this knight. And so it's kind of just a rollicking all over the place issue that has some... um, disturbing twists and turns basically they they trick the knight into being like hey knight there's a monster in here and it turns you to stone if you look at it and so the knight claws his own eyes out and then comes and kills the monster you're just like holy crap that's intense so do you like this book i do i do like this book it's i kind of just let it wash over me uh the big (laughs) the big sort of uh meta threat right now is that we've got the king arthur of old britain right like an actual breton where like the saxons are invaders that he has to kill And now we have uh, the Norman version of King Arthur. So now there's like this French King Arthur who's vying for power against the old Breton King Arthur. I mean, it's all interesting. And that's what I liked about it originally was, it you know, it it looks at history and, Mm -hmm. you know. Stories. It it has something to to say about the ridiculousness of xenophobia and and hating immigrants because everyone is literally an immigrant sometime and at some point to the people who consider them British now were, Im- were immigrants. And at one like point, a, like Beowulf is running around and it's, it's, and it's all it, interesting and it has great historical fun and it's, you know, fantasy like, and I, I liked the beginning of it. Then after a while, I was like, I think this is good. I had like my story. I don't need it to go on forever. And that's where I was with it. Um, and I'm still going with it just cause like I said, really like Dan Moore's art. I'm mm-hmm. getting enough pieces of the story out of it that I'm still enjoying it. And I will plan on sticking with it as long as I can. Oh, look, uh, Star, Wars, Star Wars, Wars Corner, the, the, my favorite corner of all the corners. Star Wars, Darth Vader, number 17, story by Greg Pak, art by you were hoping you'd have You were hoping you'd have Josh on your side for this, weren't you? And co. Um, not really. <laughs> Colors by Alex Sinclair, letters by VCs, Joe Carmagna. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that Josh is still reading. Uh, so I'm, I'm only reading I, I two Star he's Wars still, books. He's, he's reading Darth Vader. I think I'm only reading Darth Vader and the main Star Wars book. And um, I was really enjoying Darth Vader. I think this much like many books in my life these days, they're trying to do a crossover called War of the Bounty Hunters. And I'm trying to do everything I can to avoid paying attention to that. And it has messed up this book enough that I'm not following it super well at this point. And I'm hoping that this crossover ends before my interest can you Wax, just uh, skip the completely. crossover issues and you come on when it's over? I mean, I, I guess I could, but I, you know, I wanted this was the Star Wars book that came out this week, and I wanted to do. I want <laughs> I want my corner, so there was no Power Rangers book for Power Corner, um, so I couldn't do Power Rangers Corner, which yeah, would have no been Power my preference. Rangers but um, so I had to do Star Wars Corner, and yeah, I'm still enjoying this enough. Uh, I, I I really like Greg Pak. I think he's a strong writer. Um, so and and like I said in a previous. Uh, Star Wars corner that like I think Darth Vader works as a Star Wars comic for me better than many other characters because he's his face is a helmet. So um what they haven't what? they haven't lost me yet, but War of the Bounty Hunters needs to end so I can. How get is back this to, tying into War of the Bounty Hunters? 
I don't know because I'm not reading any of the other. <laughs> I don't. Well, I couldn't in, tell in, you. in this issue, what what's tying into it? Like, what is what's happening? Uh, in this issue, Ochi, who's become like Vader's right hand man, is trying to take out a guild, some members of his own assassins guild. Um, Luke is running away from Vader in his X-wing because he recognizes that he is not ready to face Vader one on one, and Vader is having to decide between. Um, saving the uh, Execusizer, what's the name of his giant star destroyer? Um, oh yeah, from an from an attack by some rebellious huts, and so it's sort of Vader having to choose between pursuing his own interests in chasing Luke and pursuing the interests of the Empire, and it leads to a, a moment where Vader's ship gets exploded, and he has to use the Force to create like a metal cocoon around him to then crash on a planet and. Um, I don't know. I like I like how this book consistently just makes Vader this unstoppable force of nature mm-hmm. that just can't can't be stopped, can't be killed. Tons of people in the Empire are working against him, and they even think they're doing so at the behest of the Emperor. But Vader just never. And and obviously this is in between movies, so we know that at the start of the next movie, Vader's still got to be top dog, and it's <laughs> kind of fun to it's fun to watch Greg Pak figure out new and interesting ways to help to have Vader maintain his dominance uh, within the Imperial structure. So yeah, you, you've those books, in getting, in getting me to talk about this, you've made me realize I liked this more than I thought I did. So. <laughs> well, there you go. That's my public service to you. Yeah. The, those are the books we wanted to talk about, but at patreon.com slash iFanboy, patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron gets a vote this week. The patrons weren't quite sure. The, vote, the votes got really spread around a bunch, a lot of books, a bunch, a lot of books. That's not words among a lot of books. And the winner was Batman, the Long Halloween special number one from Jeff Loeb at Tim Sale, Breno Wagner, and Richard Starkings. Always nice when the, when the patrons pick something that I was definitely going to read anyway. <laughs> Thank you, patrons. So, you know, we've had, it's, it's Halloween. In fact, you're listening to this maybe on Halloween. It's the spookiest month. And we've had the Batman, the Long Halloween animated specials part one and two. Ryan, did you watch part two? No. Okay, well, we all... <laughs> Ryan and I and, and Paul, the animation brain trust, did not like part one at all. Paul and I loved part two. Look, it's a great story. So it made a, it made for ultimately a fun animated experience. I mean, you've got to believe this is why this book is out. Because I don't know why else to put this out. It didn't... Look, this is, this is a lot of people's one of their favorite Batman stories, and I get it. But I finished reading this, and I thought, why did that just happen? Like... It didn't add anything to the long Halloween story. And these things hardly ever do. When you, when, you, when you return to a seminal story, a complete story with a updated special, even Darwin Cook's New Frontier special, it was fun, but it didn't add anything to the original story. This one I felt almost took something away from the original story, actually. Hmm. And I felt like, like, I liked looking at it. We never see Tim Sale anymore. I know. And that was great. What a shame. But... You know, the way that the first story ended was really great. You know, Batman doesn't solve the case. He doesn't catch the killer. And only we know the truth, the reader. And I always love that as a, as a storytelling device where, you know, you have more information than, than the hero does. And you, you can see the tragedy in it because you know what actually happened and they don't. And this just sort of upends all that and brings Glen, Glenda back. Glenda? Yeah, the Glenda. Glitch. She comes back and it's like... The fact that she was gone at the end of the Gilda, story. And Gilda. Gilda. Yeah, Glinda's a witch. Um, 
It just felt like it, it sort of undermined the ending of the story, the original story, a little bit. The the book also does a thing that is in. I know you don't watch trailers, but it's yep. it does a similar thing to the new uh, Robert Pattinson Batman trailer, where Batman gets shot uh, with a gun, and it's fine as if we would expect that it wouldn't be like, and so it's, it's this whole thing about like Alfred makes me wear a Kevlar vest now. And it's like, well, yeah, you're getting shot at all the time, but it's also like, that's not unusual though. It's not unusual, but the the way it's the, the movie trailer is more egregious in its offense than this, but it's like, but you're people could just aim for your mouth. Like you still have an exposed face. they They don't though. That's the point. Like that's like, you know, there's all kinds of things that don't make sense, but that's the whole point of his outfit is that, I mean, it was more of a point when he had the yellow oval. The whole point of the yellow oval was to draw attention to his chest where the armor was. So like that, I saw people complaining about that in the trailer, which made me, which blew my mind because that's just normal Batman stuff. But well, when you, but you haven't seen the trailer, the trailer, it's, it's ridiculous in the trailer. It's like automated machine gun fire at close range and he doesn't flinch. Like he doesn't even, like you would still get knocked back. Like there's still momentum exists, even if you're wearing a bat suit. Um, Batman so has defeated momentum, Ryan. Well, then Let's he should use it to. But again, he's not Iron Man. Like Iron Man, literally does defeat momentum with the repulsors. Like that's one. Of, that was the whole thing that Warren Ellis introduced them as this like momentumless uh, technology. But like, if Batman could build an Iron Man suit, then why doesn't Batman have an Iron Man suit? <laughs> Maybe they're little twenty-two bullets. It doesn't matter. I also they were a little don't yeah, understand in the in the comic. They were. Yeah. I don't understand. Why this classic Batman story butchers Robin's costume so badly? I know that I know people are sick of me complaining about costumes. I know people are sick of me complaining about Robin costumes, but this is really a bad version of the classic Robin suit. I don't know why. They, but it's consistent with uh, the the sequel to Long Halloween, where they introduced Robin in the first place. Is it the same suit? I think so. Yeah, I haven't heard that in so long. But it's a bad version of it. If that's what, Dark if Victory. The also, yeah, if that's one of the Dark Victory, it's a bad one. In that too. Yeah. Random stripes on his suit. Uh, he's not wearing a tunic. Well, <laughs> his shirt's tucked into the belt. Like it doesn't. It's it's not a good design. Um, I just. I don't. What did you think overall? Because I I just felt like look. I it's fine. I enjoyed parts of it. It was looked nice. But at the end of it, I was like, well, what did that? What did that add to the story? And it didn't. I, I didn't, didn't think about anything. it in terms of. I didn't even put it in that context of adding to the story. I just kind of read it as like. Okay, here's a throwback issue uh, of a Batman comic. You know, it's it's done in the style that Jeff Loeb was doing a lot of in that era where he was being very prolific. And so mm-hmm. I kind of just, I don't know, I was just like, well, I love seeing Tim Sale draw anything. So I'm just going to read this and enjoy the Tim Sale art and pretend that it's 2002. And right. I mean, that's I don't, what I did. I'm not someone who says it's going to ruin my my look at Batman on Halloween. But it just, to me, it's like, well, why would you do that just tell a different story within that world don't don't bring the killer back who you know very famously escaped justice at the end like that to me changes everything but it i mean i don't me I, my own continuity. Yeah. but i don't like, have any plans to like reread batman the long halloween if i did it's not like i would then go read this issue again afterwards like i, I right. read I, w- I was always planning on reading this because i will read anything tim sale draws but um it I would say it, it is completely mentally disconnected from the idea of the original Long Halloween book for me in my mind. Was it strange that Batman let Robin go trick-or-treating with Barbara Gordon? Super strange, especially since like she was dressed as Batgirl, a thing her dad is not so no, supposed to know she is. Right. 
So this is like, well, that's that was always, the, you know, that was her origin was she was going to a Halloween costume and she'd made this Batgirl costume. It's just that her dad didn't see her in it. Yeah. So now how do you get around that? But um, it's just I did enjoy <laughs> I did enjoy um, Gordon uh, being not knowing who to call to fix the bat signal when Harvey Dent messed yeah, it up. That was funny. No, there were definitely <laughs> funny bits, good bits in here. I, there, was, there were great sequences. That part legitimately made me laugh. He's like, I don't even know how to fix this thing. But um, I just finished it. I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what that, what that, why that had to happen. But you know, it's fine. Let's yeah. do ratings on Batman: The Long Halloween Special Number One. Ratings out of five. I liked this more than you did, so mm-hmm. I might go three point seven five. Whoa! Yeah, that's lower Actually, than I, I thought you were going to go. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you. That's fine, though. I'm not. I'm not saying don't change your vote. I'm just, you know, I'm gonna go three stars because, again, I like. You know, we never see Tim Sale. I like looking at his stuff, and there were bits I liked. But overall, if the long Halloween is a four and a half to four point seven five story, this is a three, and just felt unnecessary. Sticking with it. I mean, if there was another issue, of course I'm going to read it because of Tim Sale. Yeah, but same. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you get Give it the five dollar a higher level, you get your superpower live on the show, like Will Dick. Will Dick can at the time, at a time of great indecision or questioning, can convene a panel of Will Dicks to discuss the matter. The panel includes ten year old Will Dick, sixteen year old Will Dick. 25-year-old Will Dick. I don't know how old Will Dick is right now, but and so on and so forth. So he can convene a panel of his himself for the various points of his time to discuss whatever issue is pressing him. The panel well, of Will, Will Dicks. Panel Wills. Yeah. What happens after the discussion is over? Well, they go back to wherever they came from. Hmm. The ether. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, meet Doss. Um, can mark his territory. Okay. So, how? I I think the way most animals do it. I I think urine is on the table. Can anyone do that? Well, but him, like, I think when he does it, it's legally binding. Like, it's oh, if he, yeah. So he can legally legally mark his territory. Yeah, like if he, you know, if if he lets himself loose uh, in your home, then that's his house now. Uh, on the ground or in the toilet? I think it has to be on the ground. Yeah, it can't be flushed away. It has to be, you know, it has to so be if marked. He, if, he, if he pees in the bushes outside your house, it's now his territory. Those bushes would be his territory, but I think it, ha- it has to be done with intention. So it's not every time he pees, he uh-huh. takes ownership of that territory. Like, you know, animals, they, they pee both to relieve themselves and to mark their territory. So he has to consciously be in like, this is a territory marking pee stream right now. And so... Um, what about if he pees inside of a building in an alleyway? Yeah, that's if, if is, the building, that alley, is the building ter- is the territory his alley or the alley or the building? The alley. It's it's sort of it, it follows sort of the rules of like magic where like if he wants the building he's got to be across the threshold of the building vampire style. So, so he can run into the office into the lobby of an office building and and just start peeing in the office and never, And you know like it, it 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 the size of the building I think like it, it can be pushed to its limits, right? Like if it if he tries to take over the Empire State Building yeah. just by crossing the threshold and peeing in the lobby, like it 
may not hold just because there's so many other people who've peed in that building. But if he really not on the it, building, could, maybe you don't know. I used to work in there. <laughs> and you never, what if, you never. What if he peed? What, what if he peed and walked around a building and just peed on the outside of it all the way? I think that could have. I think that could have an effect. If this I is, think he's got to get some inside of the building across the threshold, but I think doing a perimeter sweep is not a bad call for for meat. Better start drinking meat. There's, yeah, a keep, stay, in, stay, there's a lot of buildings. There's a lot of buildings in Manhattan. I, I think I have territory. Stay, hyd- over. stay hydrated. Um, you know, and then he could. I mean, imagine you just you pee around one building and you start you can start collecting rent. The checks roll in. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's you can get your superpower live on the show like Will and Meat. Thanks for being patrons. Hey, look, we have time for a listener mail. Oh, I'm Bionic, so excited for this one. Bionic Dave from Los Angeles, California says, if Clark Kent sits behind the wheel of a car and puts it in neutral, can he simply stick his arm out the window, point it ahead, and fly the car forward? Bionic Dave, I'm glad you asked. I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> I am not joking. Um, here's the thing. I think the way it would have to work is he'd have to be you know, pushing the car probably from the steering wheel. And I don't think most cars are built such that a steering wheel column could handle the force necessary to propel the entire car forward. So it would like so, crunch the, he would crunch the column. Right. So I think front. what Clark has probably done for his own car, because I think Clark probably does this all the time. I don't think he needs to stick his arm out, but I think if he no, was that, able that to, was my own ad addition. He didn't say that anymore. Can he simply stick his arm out, point it ahead and fly the car forward? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think if Clark gets under the hood and reinforces the steering column with some extra metal that he could then, you know, like fuse to the uh, frame of the car with his heat vision, he could totally do this. And I, in my head canon, this is how Clark Kent drives around all the time. And I've thought this for a long time because to me, there's no way Clark Kent would burn fossil fuels to move himself from place to place when he could do it himself with his solar powered superpowers. So he just, he just sits in the car and, and holds the steering wheel and flies it forward in neutral. Yes. That's my, that's my that's personal head cannon. Yes. And I've, I've thought that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> How long would you say you've thought about it? Since the Bruce Tim episode of the Superman the Animated Series when uh, everyone thinks Clark's dead because his car has a bomb planted on it to prevent him from <laughs> exposing a, a murderous cop or something like that. So there's like a scene where he's like driving along a coastal highway and his car explodes. And for whatever reason, it just st- it struck me because that episode is very much about... Um, Clark wanting to make sure that he still has an identity and accomplishments as Clark Kent and not yep. just as mm-hmm. Superman. Right. And so I was like, well, if, if that's important to Clark, it's like, then he would need, he would need to have a car to drive himself around from time to time. And so he must be doing that in a way that is more Superman-y, Earth-friendly than, than a normal human because he's the best. So Would you prefer that he did that, flew the car, drove the, drove the car like that, or cut a hole at the bottom and drive it Flintstone style. I've always thought that it was, it was him pushing the car from the steering wheel. Um, so I don't think, I don't, I don't need the, the Flintstone style. I, I just need him to, I need to make sure that he's done the mechanical work necessary to reinforce the steering column such that he can pull this off. Now, how does he stop the car? He just stops flying, I guess. I mean, you can still hit the brakes, right? Your brakes still, right, your brakes still work when the car's in going. No, because if he hits the, I mean, if he, if he stops flying and hits the brakes, the car will stop. So he's only gas. He's not the brakes. It, it, unless he needed to be the brakes. So conceivably, Superman, he could. Can Superman he fly a, in re- reverse? Does this car have a reverse gear? <laughs> if Superman's at the wheel, right? That's what I'm asking. So then, 
theoretically could go to like the salt flats and win every race. Yeah, but why would he? Because why not? That's not that's not Clark style. Contact at fanboy.com. You can write in and get your email on the show like Bionic Dave and also get your email on the Media Explode show we do every month about non-comics media. But if you're going to do that, please put Media Explode in the title in the subject line of the email so we know what it's for. It's plug time. We have a lot of shows going on, as always. We're right in the midst of them last month or October. If you're listening to the day this comes out, it's the last day of October. In October, we had our Media Explode show where we reviewed the Mini Saints of Newark and Ted Lasso season two. We also, I enjoyed. A, you made me. It made me watch the Many Saints of Newark. So I'm a little annoyed with you on that front. Why we said it was not good. M- made me want to go. Hey, whoa! <laughs> Which it was is not a good half movie. The di- half the dialogue in that movie. We can't. You can't blame us for that. We said. Don't. We said it was bad. Uh, I, didn't, special I, didn't edition. Get, I didn't want my prequel spoiled by listening to the episode, so I had to <laughs> watch it first. Ryan and I reviewed the first season of What If on the special edition show with of the Animation Brain Trust. And Josh, just behind the show, released the latest talks blow. This one with Tom King, Tom King uh, doing a look back on Strange Adventures and Rorschach, and also Heroes in Crisis, and talking about Supergirl and all kinds of things. So he's got a lot of book, big books out lately. This is a note you can, I can't miss talks blow, and you can see why Josh had to wait to record that one. But I think it's worth it. And then coming up this month in November, Ryan and Paul and I are going to talk about Injustice, the latest DC Universe animated film the uh, adaptation of the Tom Taylor comic book that was an adaptation of a video game. It's an, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unending daisy chain of media synergy. And then <laughs> we'll have a talk, a booksplode review of Avengers Forever, the classic Kurt Busiek, Carlos Pacheco, Kang story. And that'll be sometime this month in November, as well as the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings special edition and possibly the Eternals as well, as well as a media explode in November. There's a lot of shows in November. One of those might slip to December. I don't know. There's a lot going on. I I haven't seen Shang-Chi or the Eternals. I've still not been to the theater. James Bond is is my siren song right now. I'm just like, oh, I is James Bond, Bond going to get me to the theater? At a at an 11 a.m. showing with 10 other people in the, in the big theater. So I felt okay I was looking that. at drive-ins around the, the region. I missed the, one of the drive-ins uh, like an hour from me was showing it uh, the week before I checked their their marquee. So that was frustrating to me. So I'll I might do out. the same for Eternals because I feel like I want to see Chloe Zhao's work on the big screen, but we'll see. Yeah, I hear you. I do a podcast called Science Order of scienceorder.com. Check it out. Uh, it's, it's scientists talking about science, if that's a thing you care about. Well, why wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, look around. <laughs> There's clearly we live in a society where plenty of people don't, and most of them are in Congress. So head over to right. fanboy.com. Topical. Find all, all of our shows, the shows we just mentioned, we got a vast history. There's well over a thousand podcasts. You can find it at fanboy.com, as well as all the writing we did for years. And Ryan was one of those writers. You can like Facebook.com/slash/ifanboy or follow at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboycomics on Instagram. That's where you can find out where the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And often on Instagram, we have best of the week in panels, although not always, not every week, because sometimes life gets in the way. I'm going to give you that caption. Just I'll, I'll get it to you. Follow us individually. C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and Ryan Haupt on Instagram and Haupt on Twitter. Are you still there? You're still there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to let a German clothing brand take over my <laughs> Twitter handle. There's a German Subscribe clothing to brand YouTube. called Haupt. Our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can keep up to date on the old video show reuploads that we're doing because of the um, 
the patrons. And this past week, we had a iFanboy mini show, uh, pick of the week on the sword number nine, which was Ron's pick of the week at the time. We had Josh doing a Stumptown interview with Greg Ruck and Matthew Southworth. And there was an anthology show in which I talked about Batman's Batcave trophies and where they came from. And then I believe Ron reviewed Dash Shaw's Body World and Josh reviewed Peter Baggy's Other Lives. So it was a very, very mixed anthology show. But I mean, come on, think about it. No one told me I I should be reviewing like a big indie book in that one. They just, we we didn't coordinate. If I bought a bunch of these shirts, I wouldn't even have to get them monogrammed because they're already my name, but the shipping costs from Germany. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, for sure. If you mm-hmm. dig the show, write a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. People are, people are getting podcasts all over the place these days, Connor. Used to mm-hmm. be uh, iTunes was the one-stop shop for podcasts, but no more, I my mean, friends. It's still, the, it's still the majority spot. Not yeah, iTunes, yeah, yeah. Apple, Pod- Apple Podcasts is still the majority place. But yeah. for, for a long time, it was like 70 plus percent of our downloads, but yeah. now it's closer to like 50. So it's definitely, it's lost a, it's lost a step. So oh, wherever sure, you get your podcast. Sure. Yep. And, and you know what? There's You can also go on places, even if you, you don't have to listen to the podcast on Stitcher to go go over to Deezer.com and leave a review there too. So do it. That's true. Um, but, but really the best way is to tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your children, uh, put it on in the car when people can't escape, and um, just buy yourself a bunch of flash drives, put all 1,000 episodes on, and then just hand them, trick or treat is coming up, hand them out, Yeah. right? Yes, for sure. Um, dress up as Connor for Halloween, hand out candy to your neighborhood children. Uh, and, That's and fine, just get, let's do that, yeah. Spread the word, we don't have a marketing budget, you are our marketing, so go, up, go forth and help us. Thank you, please and thank you. And that is it for this week's show. Ryan, thanks for coming on. Thanks Hopefully for having me. Hopefully Josh comes back from assignment. Yeah, I was actually, I need to um, say, so Josh, the, the dead drop, you know where it is. I'll be checking it on Tuesday afternoon. So anything you need to put there for me, make sure it's there by then. We should be good. He'll be looking for a, a chalk mark on the wall. Mm-hmm. If and, the if uh, the if the green light is on and you know which green light I'm talking about, which building, it's actually it's Meet Das's building. He just peed on it, and uh, <laughs> yeah. that then you put know. The flower then in know. The, put the flag in the flower pot. Do the crow yeah. pecks at midnight, Josh. Don't forget the crow pecks at midnight. All right. Until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Ryan. Get boosted. <laughs>